Welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army podcast, and after week one of 34 of the 2022 USL season, the Hounds got one point in the old uh, the old point tally column, and that came by way of a Robbie Mertz goal down in Birmingham. Uh, with me to discuss that and uh, a little bit more, I got two cool kids. One of them is uh, becoming like the, the most frequent... Uh, podcast co-host of the last couple weeks it's ariana what's good hello i'm uh happy to be back i did also realize that i i have been on frequently lately um and i'm excited i'm ready yeah no it's a good season has begun um i would maybe a little concerned that uh may your social life is is suffering a little bit (laughs) falling in in the same be accurate yeah you don't (laughs) You don't want to end up like me, uh, just basically uh, always available to do one of these and just hoping to do one. So I, I, I have idle time in my life to fill. So um, <laughs> if you do a couple more shows consecutively, we're actually going to just send you away to, to go do something on a Wednesday night. Okay. Like self-help. Bet. So <laughs> Go to a therapist, please. I'd have to be a therapist. It could be a... <laughs> One of those like swanky new miniature golf places in the strip district or something like that. I mean, Bet. Yeah, uh, we should now that those places are becoming uh, in vogue. Uh, Still army, Still army event down at the swanky uh, mini golf places because there's two of them, I believe. So we could do the one, hit the bar that's also down there now, and then hit up the other one, and it could be like the Still army putt putt challenge or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, bracket it up. Put that in the idea box. Yes. Yes. I concur. Beautiful. Uh, also with us, because Duquesne is, is no longer playing men's basketball this season, his, his Wednesdays are now a lot more free. It is Yak. What's good, my Yak? Uh, Yosti. Uh, today I finally filed my taxes, so I am quite confident Ooh. when my tax returns come back that they will be large enough that I will put a brand new pistol underneath the hound section. Ooh. <laughs> you said you're having a good day, and now we know why. Nice. That's not why. That's a, it, was, it sucked for like <laughs> a half hour. Oh, I haven't even started yet, and mine are going to be a bear this year. It's, yeah. It's not going to be I, I already did mine. Diamond are signed, sealed, delivered, and I got my, my refund already. Shit. I am so oh. screwed this year. I can't wait to be disappointed in like four to 12 weeks. Go America. I was surprisingly not disappointed in mine. So here's to, to, to hoping. Here, here's the hoping as we start week two of the USL <laughs> season. Here's the hoping because that's basically, that's, that's, that's the fuel we all sustain ourselves on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Hounds were at Birmingham this week. They opened up the season. They successfully played 90 minutes of, of football. And they uh, came home with a point. The lineup for the Hounds, uh, which was identical to their last preseason, ga- pre-season game uh, back here in Pittsburgh against Louisville. Jamali Waite in net, which was a mild surprise because he was announced to be in uh, the Jamaican uh, camp for the two games against Trinidad. Although he, he then left uh, left the comfy confines of the United States immediately after the game to go down 
for the second game against Trinidad, in which he did start, got a clean sheet, so uh, he's probably feeling, feeling good about life. Uh, 180 minutes of, of soccer between club and country, and, and one goal conceded, so good on him. And he'll be, uh, he is back, uh, presumably back with the club now. So wait net, four defenders, uh, Dos Santos, your left back, uh, Ordonez Hogan, your center backs, Rivera as the right back, which was my big question of where that was going to be. Midfield was Robbie Mertz, Mark Ibera, Junior Eto, Kenny Forbes, and then your two strikers, forwards-ish, uh, the Birmingham Dream Killer, and Chico. Uh, Ariana, your thoughts on the lineup? Uh, I mean, we talked about a lot is you know it, last week compared of how the the Louisville starting lineup went, but um, I'm guessing I also have the weight thing. Not a ton of surprises for you. Yeah, no, it it seemed um, it definitely felt like it was a good starting lineup, um, and we saw it at Louisville, so it doesn't surprise me that it was you know, copy and paste from the last preseason game. Um, they played really well in that last preseason. Um, there's definitely some communication or some inner team gelling that needs to be uh, worked out a little bit more. Um, but the lineup seemed seemed perfect. And, and like we talked about last week, the we needed that deep defense uh, on the back line. And that's exactly what, you know, Bob showed us. So um, I felt pretty confident in what we saw. And lineup-wise, and, and you're right, yeah, besides Waite, who, you know, we had assumed would be away, um, it looked like a pretty pretty solid lineup and nothing super surprising. Yak, uh, we saw a bit of this, obviously, two weeks ago, in Louis- or not in Louisville, but against Louisville. We saw it on display for 90 minutes down in Birmingham. How would you describe this this formation? I mean, it's, it's four in the back, but I mean, if you just look, and we, we'll get on that a little bit, just the number of crosses into the box that Nate Dos Santos uh, served up. I mean, that's you know he's certainly not not a a left back pursuing kind of a left wing back, so clearly getting into the offense pretty well advanced. So it's hard to call it a true four in the back. Uh, I mean, is it is it a four four two? Is you know that transitions into you know, like a, like a two, three, three, two. I mean, what was your take on, on the actual formation that Bob threw out there week one? So there, there were four backs, but as you mentioned, it, it was kind of akin to when we do the five backs or three back situation where both outside guys have a lot of freedom to go way up the field. Um, conversely, Forbes and... That would be the new guy, Eto, like to play really deep, no matter what, from midfield. So the center was kind of always accounted for, no matter how much they pushed up the sides. It was really cross-heavy again. Much, I'm sure you were thrilled by that. Oh, um, we'll, we'll get there. You'll have thoughts on that? There are thoughts. Um, and because, because of For- – that's, like, that's going to be a new position for Forbes if that's, you know, a potential not just a matchup thing against – Birmingham, but what he might be doing moving forward instead of pushing up, kind of pairing off with Mertz right behind the lead attackers, he might be sitting deep and waiting for the game to kind of move on, uh, move on around him and him not be too much involved with the head of the attack. Yeah, um, it, it's it's all. 
Correct. Um, it's just Bob Bob being a little tricky right out of the gate, which may not the worst thing um, at all. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, not at all. Uh, kind of looking at the top line stats from the, from this game, the thing that really really stuck out to me, if you look at the aerial duels, Birmingham won two thirds of them. Um, we talked a lot in the preseason. This was going to be a, a very big, tall back line we were going to have. And then we get into this first game. Uh, the team is, is second best in aerial duels. Birmingham's goal comes off of a corner kick headed in uh, by Alex Cronalli, who's also a, a tall guy, but basically just muscled his way uh, in the box. Uh, Chico was there. Uh, Ordonez. Well, I think was actually the mark that, that got beat on that and, and as close to an uncontested header as you're going to get on a corner is what is what they ended up with. Ariana, uh, any concerns on that after kind of hyping up the size that, that the game played out that way? It felt kind of, it felt kind of like an insult. Um, we have talked a lot about the height of that back line and then to be beat by a header off of a corner – just it kind of felt like a punch to the stomach um it it also felt like they weren't they weren't getting up there you know they were they were defending you know playing on off their heights and not necessarily you know jumping to reach for the ball and it felt like they were a little slower than i expected them to be reaction wise to it um it definitely felt like an easy an easy header for for birmingham so it, it just didn't that's one of the hiccups that I saw, you know, in, in the game that I think we all saw in the game that just didn't feel right to any of us. Um, and so I'm, I'm, we definitely will have to have some new legs coming out there and, um, or at least the meshing we need to see that. I don't, I don't know what I'm, what words I'm looking for here, but it definitely felt like, um, there was a miscommunication on that back line and I don't really know, you know, where they were looking to, it, I don't know. It felt like they were all caught with, with, you know, with their pants down for lack of a better phrase. Um, it, it just didn't feel like we, anyone in, in that back line was prepared and we were just sitting on our hands. I don't know. I, d- I did not like that play. I did not like how it turned. Yeah. Goals against are usually not liked. No, no, but that one felt like especially sour, especially since, you know, myself and, and I've been toting the height of, of our back line. And, and I think that, you know, Bob post post tall, but now it feels like, like I was, you know, talking out of the side of my face. I don't know. <laughs> I get you. It feels especially painful. This one. Uh yeah, are we being too negative on this, or or is this a, an appropriate level of negativity on on the size and on the goal against? I think in general the defense was a little loose on the night, and the overall body of work of getting out dueled in the air by an almost two to one margin, especially considering that was one of our strengths last year, is really surprising. I don't want to knock the goal too much because could it have been better? Yeah, but uh, um, Memphis just pulled off a really good corner kick and sometimes the offense just scores a goal you know you can you can play you can play better defense all the time but these guys are not perfect they're not 
uh, world beaters, and sometimes the uh, free, the set pieces from the other team is just right on the money where it needed to go to the tallest guy on the field in Alex Krugnali, and he places it well in the net. Yes. Uh, okay, so you're 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 not as not as negative, but I think we're we're all firmly on the you know things to watch out for going forward. Train. It is definitely it is definitely a what's up with that stuff. Yes, and the, the thing with with quarter kicks is it lets uh, it lets a team place a ball through the air into an ideal spot in the other team's box for a chance to score. The Hounds did a lot of that too, not by way of corner kicks, but by by crosses um, between Ordonez, Dos Santos, Danny Rivera, and Canardo Forbes. They took a combined. 10 crosses. Do you know how many got home? Ariana, of those 10 crosses between those four guys, how many got home? Found found a forehead. Oh. Not many. Yeah. I'm going to say three. Three? I'm going to go with one. One is the correct answer. One. Uh. One out of 10. And I, and I don't want to... The way we're saying this, or I'm saying this, is it sounds like it's, it's the blaming the crosser. Um, and to a certain degree, it is because if they're crossing to, to to no one in the box, if you're just just throwing the ball into the box to no one, uh, it's going to end up that way. But I'm looking at some of these like the the ones that really f- got me got my eyes opened was the Dos Santos crosses. He he was marked for three su- unsuccessful, none none successful. You go back and look at them; they are all placed in beautiful beautiful areas. You know, as the as the pan, as the camera pans back into the middle of the field, you're you're following the tra- trajectory of the ball. And you're thinking, "Oh, this is this is a goal. It's falling right where you want it to fall. It's it's outside the six yard box. The keeper's not going to have a great chance to to get to it. it. And then it lands, and there's no one there. There is no one there. It's the same tired ass story from last year, just starting over again. I mean." The, they're in it, it, it's one thing if they're just unsuccessful because they're just they're misplaced or they're yeah they're they're scuffed or whatever they're in beautiful spots and part of it is, is if you're crossing it and there's no one there it's a waste of a cross but the other part of it is someone's got to be there if the whole the whole game plan is bring it down the wings and cross into the box there's got to be someone there to receive the cross otherwise why is that the game plan it makes it I, I'm so confused by this. It happened mm-hmm. last year. We spent a couple episodes d- digging down onto this, and it was like the same story back in Birmingham to start the 2023 season. Uh, Ariana, uh, I have my little rant. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, I'm right there with you. As a as a defender myself, I, you know, I. I'm a big fan of of the back line. I, you know, I've, you all you'll always hear me talking about and picking apart the back line just because it's it's, it's an experience that I'm familiar with. Um, and to have you know the back line in the midfield deliver such fantastic, I mean, not beautiful, not perfect, but you know, someone just has to be there. And it feels like, and this is something that I've said before. You know, while we were talking about this season specifically, 
we it doesn't feel like our front line our forwards our attacking folks are there like we don't have the the front folks that we need and it just feels like there's something missing um you know bob built a beautiful back line and we have the back line that that puts forward what they can put forward and and succeeds and does pretty well but then there's no other end of that it was something that was so frustrating that you know we couldn't see uh you know the headers or even like the midfield and i don't know if there's a stat on this or if we could find a stat or if i could pull it up quickly but the amount of times we turned the ball over in the midfield felt so uncomfy for me because i just felt like we were trying to move forward and connect you know balls to the front line and then it just they were getting lost and then they were getting dropped and then we weren't attacking in the midfield to to pick up balls when when they were headed you know the opposite way it just felt like you know we don't have we have a solid back line but we don't really have you know that attacking forward or attacking midline that that we really need yet and i don't know if that's a convert you know a um a jowling between the new teammates in the in the season our seasoned players or, or whatnot or you know we'll we'll work that that you know miscommunication out it just felt a lot like you know we should have had a lot more chances on the ball because we weren't really maintaining that possession very well um at least in the first half i know our possession went up in the second half um but it just didn't i don't know it just felt like we didn't have that ball, you know, handling skill that, that you're taught from the very beginning. Yeah. It, I did. Oh yeah. Take a yak. I did write down at, at halftime that, you know, we had a lot of, we had some good looks. We had a couple of deep crosses, but we weren't threatening the goal. We had no shots yet at that point in time. Um, it, it opened up more, and we were only like a third of the way through the game or whatever, but it opened up more in the second half, so I'm a little encouraged by that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope for that, that they either kind of figured it out, even if they maybe weren't hitting crosses at a particularly higher rate than they were in the first half, and or they found some space because they were kind of outworking Memphis at, or outworking Birmingham as the game moved along and as perhaps they were less tired than the other team. Um, but, the it, yeah, I, I think the crosses... The low percentage of crosses is, is, I hope, something that gets worked on because I don't think any. I really like the games from the mid. I like really like the games from the midfield in general, and the forwards I thought were kind of quiet, and I I didn't have many notes on either of the two starting strikers at all. Yeah, uh, I mean, the final official tally for crosses from the Hounds that game was seventeen. I mean, this isn't. This is not accidental. This is. This isn't. You know, desperation. We're putting the ball into the box this way. This. This is the game plan. If you're doing it 17 times, and the accuracy comes out to 17 percent. So what is that? I'm assuming that means. It's probably three. Three of them. Yeah. Um, another thing that stuck out in my mind, uh, Ariana, you you alluded to it. What I would call uncontested passes in the midfield, meaning that both the the passer and the intended target recipient of the pass are not being uh, 
closely marked by a defender. There were so many of those, especially in the first half, a little bit in the second, where the the recipient had to either wait wait or, or actually travel backwards to get that ball as opposed to the pass being placed at their feet so they can keep uh, keep the attack going down the field. They were just uncontested passes that were not they were just missing uh, the, the recipient by by a couple yards or was forcing uh, re- forcing that person to to go out of uh, their their path to go get that ball. And that I found super frustrating. Um, I mean, if we can't do this stuff when there's no one there, I mean, whew. so we uh, something to watch, I guess, just something to watch. Uh, on the the more positive, uh, kind of dragged or donated little, pretty quickly. What was that? This has gone pretty negative pretty quickly. I know I'm a little surprised by this. Yeah, so let's make a positive. But on the upside, on the upside, the good things. Yeah. Uh, Dragged Ordonez a little bit on the defending for the goal against, but holy shit, was his it was his ball over to Robbie Morris beautiful on that goal. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. Oh, I do know what I'll say about it. So he receives it uh, on the the right side, brings it across the the half line, and then holds up for just a moment. And when he does that, the three or four defenders around him all stop for a moment. And you see the back line basically stop for just a moment because he holds the ball up, takes like a half step back, and that that opens up and unlocks just enough space that he puts that ball over the top, uh, hitting Robbie Mertz in the chest, and then Mertz uh, clinical like he's like he's a Russ Cicerone in uh, in goal four. Uh, Yak is is that how you saw it, or uh, am I just overly romanticizing this one? No, I mean it. It was we we're the benefactor of the defender being a little over aggressive and hoping he could get ahead on the ball, and it went over him right, and it fell right in Mertz's uh, breadbasket. But that was probably caused because I noticed it too that Ordonez had that little like rope a dopey lulled him asleep for like a half a second. It was so subtle. It, it was so subtle, but just enough to get the get everyone's weight to stop moving. But he did stop time like ever so briefly, and he hit Mertz right in the chest. It was perfect. And then and it, it wasn't his only like no. dangerous ball of the second half. Like Ordonez was working a little bit at the end there. I mean, if that's something he's putting his 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 back pocket for this season, whipping balls cross cross field, um, that could be a lot of fun. Mm. That can be a lot a lot of fun. Uh, Ariana, the the first touch by by Mertz, basically off his chest down to his feet. Uh, pretty pretty fucking sublime for week one. It is, and and I, the the feeling of happiness that just rushed, you know, the watch party, and you know that it was one Robbie Mertz, one of our own, and two that it was such a beautiful you know, pass from Ordonez and then, you know, receiving by by Mertz and then to follow through with the goal. It was so pretty and it was such a perfect goal. Like, you know, no question on it. And it just sailed back to the end of the, the net. It, it was such a satisfying goal to watch. And when they posted, when the official Twitter posted the, the clip, the 10 second clip of the, the 
goal. I can tell you I probably watched it more times than I care to admit because it is for a first game, first goal of the season. It felt like such a satisfying goal and it felt like it had been building, you know, all in the first half and, and, and it was so like, you know, it felt like we were all on edge, you know, the pressure was building and then, you know, that first goal just, and to have it just be, you know, the perfect goal. I mean, not perfect in, in a way, but it was a beautiful goal from start to finish. So I'm very pleased at what I'm seeing. Um, I think that Robbie Mertz, we're going to have a, a, you know, a dangerous uh, player in Robbie Mertz in, in the upcoming season. Should, I'm should, ready for it. Should point out now uh, in the, the, the preseason predictions of, of who was going to uh, be the player of the year. Mm. Uh, there's two people on this call that called called it for Mertz, I believe. Mm. Just saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. mm-hmm. uh, first sub out of the game was uh, Keza in the 54th minute. Uh, Tony Lopez comes in. Lopez, uh, critical in, in the next big part of this game, a uh, big moment in this uh Basically just scramble ball in the top of the box. He keeps his feet moving, finds a little space, puts on a, a nice shot that Van Elkel saves, but it spills out to uh, another, another substitute, uh, Toa Shounmi. I think I got that one right. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Uh, and it seems like a, a, a yawning net for Tola to tap one into. Uh, Van Elkel gets back up on his, on his feet. Uh, Lionly dives to his left and makes the double save. Uh, Yak. First, your thoughts on on these two subs we're seeing for the first time in uh, Tony Lopez and Tola. And then two, is this a wag of the finger to Tola or the tip of the cap to Van Ockel? Um, I'm going to... So I was I was I was grateful that they took Kiza off. I, I'm glad Lopez got the, got the uh, got a, a decent amount of minutes in. I, I'm I'm more shocked. I, tip of the cap and wag the finger both towards Van Ockel. I am shocked at how bad of a rebound he gave up initially, and I'm also shocked he got back. And it would because it, it would take a lot for me to look at Shawun me and say, oh, you should have hesitated set or step to whatever let van Okel like fly by you out of position or something i i thought for sure he would have just had uh, an empty net and so i'm just more i'm more surprised that van Okel got back but also he caused it to begin with because he just completely fumbles uh kind of innocuous shot originally from lopez so should he get save of the week if if it was his bad spill that caused the spectacular save. Do you get credit for Ooh. just clean up your own mess or not? Um, it's got to account for it a little bit. So I'm going to say it probably shouldn't be worthy of save of the week. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that's a great overarching uh, Ariana, uh, does someone get credit for, for doing something spectacular if all they're doing is, is actually just clean up their own mess? Um, no, I, I'm going to confidently say that, you know, if you mess up 
I think it's just written in the mess up that you have to fix it. If you can almost immediately fix it, like Van Ockel did, then you don't get credit for the fix or, for, you know, for even if it's a spe- spectacular play, you, you had to fix your mistake. So I think that um, it's a chicken and the egg type of situation for me. But if the mistake came first, then the fix is not as spectacular. It's like it loses like half a half a spectacular note. <laughs> See, I, I'm not. Um, I, wanna, I don't want to say no credit, just an asterisk. I'm, I'm also no, not yeah. that convinced it was that bad of a sp- like. The thing got rocketed too. I'm like he, he either. I mean, his best yeah. play would have been to tip it over the crossbar and get out. But absent that, I'm not expecting to catch that one. Oh, it was it was a definitely a rocket. That's something that I think that we don't have enough of uh, a lot of the balls that were, you know, towards the net didn't feel like, like if they had had a little bit more juice on them, maybe they would have gotten past um, Van Oakle, but uh, that one had definitely enough power behind it. Um, so I, I do definitely give him credit. I'm not, not, you know, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve the credit for a fantastic save, but it's like, yeah, like Yak said with a little asterisk. <laughs> And I just can, want to say he's not putting that ball over the uh, bar because it is basically a worm burger that wasn't off the ground at all. So what do you? I mean, so what do you expect him to do with that? Uh, not fumble it in the direction of nobody besides the one hound player. All right, fair enough. Uh, any concern that that uh, this is gonna gnaw away at uh, at Tola? I, you know, first minutes as a professional, and and that's that's. I mean. If the season ends now, now, that's what he's going to be known for. So, is there any concern on either your you two parts that uh, there's, no. there's going to be a mental thing going on here with them now? No, I can't, I can't fault him for it. And forwards are going to have uh, short memories. I think it just kind of comes with the territory that sometimes you'll get robbed. I concur. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I think maybe you know at the beginning of this week. You know, when you're when you're rewatching the game or, you know, watching the tapes or, you know, having a a, a sit down with Lily and, and you know, going over the, the playing of the game, yeah, you're gonna sit there and kick yourself, but I think that he won't let it get to him and he'll he'll definitely especially with the help of our our other players, I think he'll definitely move past it. I mean if 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 the season ended now, you're absolutely right, but um I think that you know, because it is the first game, he's got a lot of of better better goals in him. Uh, final thoughts on this game, uh, Ariana, and then uh, the question I'll pose to both of you: uh, Are you more confident, less confident, or just as confident about these hounds today as you were a week ago? Um. I'm probably just as confident. This game settled my nerves, but didn't necessarily push my confidence in them up. Not saying that like it, it didn't push them down. So it's right in the middle there. Um, it definitely settled where I think that we are. You know, you can see all the games in preseason and you can see all that, but it doesn't become real until that first game. So it definitely settled my nerves into how our season is going to go from here it didn't necessarily make me feel, you know, one way or the other on confidence. Um, I definitely think that we have a lot of 
fantastic players, but we also have a lot of missed chances and a lot of miscommunication that just needs a little bit more, uh, you know, meshing and a little bit more flavor to, to be the, the confidence booster that I think that we'll, we'll all need. Um, so I'm kind of right in the middle there for this game. It was a draw, and so my feelings are a draw. <laughs> Fair enough. Yak? Um, confidence pushed slightly upward. Um, that's relative. My bar was pretty low. I thought my, my idea of the team coming into the season was we might struggle to make the playoffs. We probably still will because it's so easy to. But it was a pretty low bar, and that's a good um, result for a team that I think is going to do that. So my confidence went up a little bit. Um, also, I liked what I saw from certain new players that I assume we're going to get to next because so many of them are such um, fresh faces that we know so little of. Generally, thought well of a few of them. Yeah, that was that was next question, so let's just lead off there. With, but players, players that you recognize either for good reasons or, or for poor. Yak. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> thought that was just cool. tossing right back to you, but okay. Yeah, my bad. That's cool. So for the duration of the game, probably two of the best players that I saw was was Danny Rivera, and I don't know his first name yet, but Eto, hell of an opening. His, fr- his friends call him Junior. Junior Eto. Yeah. His mom awesome calls him something else game. that we're not going to try to pronounce. Yeah. It no. Is, uh, <laughs> It, it it is almost worthy in my mind of being player of the game, even though he's not the goal scorer. That's how much of an impact he made as I when I when I saw him play. He was he was great getting back on defense. He was supremely calm with the ball, distributing around. Uh, he was making great um, possession and dribble moves. There was an awesome play. I think it was in the first half, maybe towards the end, where he like shook off. Um, like what was sure to be a foul, and he just just kind of ran through the defender's arms and set up a one of our few decent looks deep in the offensive zone in the first half. I really liked Eto's game a lot. Yeah, he probably was the the the, the surprise star of the of the game, uh, made just because we haven't really seen him yet. Um, but there's a high opportunity that that's going to be Bob's little steal of of the off season. For a guy who was mm. getting bench minutes out of uh, out of Tampa Bay, Ariana, anyone that uh, that fell on your radar for uh, good reasons or bad? Um, but I I agree with Yak. Both of those uh, players are fantastic. I'm going to choose different ones just so we have a different conversation here. Um, I feel like Mertz has got to be in there. We. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about him, and he is a fantastic. You know, we've we've been fans and and positive of his his game for this season, um, all of preseason, and and I'm really happy that we you know secured him, and and he's still here, um, and he like I said did a fantastic uh, game. I'm embarrassed on the other end of of Kizzo's game. I talked him up so much, and I I'm, I'm such a big fan of him. Um, he is one of my, uh, his name came up a lot in my preseason predictions and it just felt like we didn't get to see the Birmingham dream killer. Uh, um, he came out, he was the first player to come out and it felt really like, you know, when the, the wind came out of my sails a little bit, it just didn't feel like we saw what we 
what we were all expecting to see from him. And I don't know if maybe we put him on too high of a pedestal that, um, you know, especially me that I, you know, thought, you know, too much of him. And, but he just, this did not feel like the kids that we saw at the end of this season last year. Um, so he's definitely one that I am, you know, not so sure how I feel about now. I definitely still think he has it in him, but I, I want to know where, you know, where the playing got lost. Um, I want to see him in playing shape like he was last year. And I, I think that I definitely think he dropped just a, just a smidge um, in this game. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all probably a little guilty uh, holding uh, kids up on, on some recency bias just because of the impact he made uh, in Birmingham last year in the playoffs. But I mean, you, you take out those, from the time he went on the field to the time he kicked that last uh, penalty, we're talking 45 minutes of his life. Uh, if you take out those those 45 minutes, I mean, kind of an undistinguished uh, low knee for the Hounds. Uh, not, that, I mean, I don't want to be serious shit on the guy because I think he's, he, I think he will be fine. Um, but you know, I, we probably are a little, a little guilty of. Uh, Pumping up those forty-five minutes being more than what what they they are in reality, but to be determined. Uh, two guys I want to point out: uh, Kenny Forbes goes a full full ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. Great uh, game, yeah, solid Kenny, a solid Kenny game, and and he, he plays the whole ninety. Um, may the may the thoughts of again it's week one, so well, to be seen, but. Maybe the, the thoughts of of the twilight of his career being being super close, maybe premature, and then the guy we brought before coming off the bench for Kiza, Tony Lopez, I think another mm-hmm. potential Lily steal this time by way of Nisa. Uh, we will see, but uh, a bit of an engine on that guy, no? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays. I'm excited. And I, I would, and I was pooping on that guy pretty, pretty heavily there uh, last week. So uh, hopefully, I'll be able to just absolutely have to eat those words. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> uh, another thing to point out from this game: if you're on on the the Twitters uh, that night, the next day, apparently the stadium that that Birmingham plays at. Is, uh, protective stadium, I think it's called. Um, apparently, the the operations game game day operations were just a total clusterfuck. Uh, mm-hmm. They had half the stands closed, and then maybe just one concession stand open. And so, yet you, you had people on on Twitter uh, pretty aggressively complaining how they were waiting forever to get like a a pretzel or a Miller Lite or you know something not spectacular. Uh, I just want to throw it out there. One, if you ever see me in line for for forty minutes to get a Miller Lite, please just pull me out of line and talk some sense into me. Two, if I ever were to wait in line for forty minutes for a Miller Lite, I would never publicly admit that I waited in line for forty minutes for a fucking Miller Lite. Facts. <laughs> Facts. At stadium prices, nonetheless. Facts. Uh, Yak, how long would you wait in line for a Miller Lite at a, at a, at a sporting event? 
during the run of play, I yes. don't think I've waited more than like three minutes at uh, at Highmark Stadium. So, like, the absolute roof is five minutes if it's not halftime. Ariana. Um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not waiting it, during. Yeah, during the play, I'm probably not waiting. If there's a line, I'm just gonna walk back to the stands and wait until halftime. But if there's no line, you know, I'd go. I, I'm not putting myself more than maybe five minutes, even at halftime. You know, if the, if the line is more than ten people deep, it's not worth it. Jeff Garner, Garner, take notes. Just saying, there Ten was people. only one. There was never a line when it, at the cash only beer line. Just saying, never a line. Agreed. R.I.P. There's only one group of people that should be ruining the enjoyment of the soccer game on Saturday for Birmingham fans, and that is us, Bob and, Lee and company. Absolutely not mm-hmm. the fucking concession people. Uh, mm-hmm. Last thought on this on this game, just because I, I just just popped in mind now. Uh, <laughs> fucking Gumby giving the middle fingers to his costume after after they scored the goal. <laughs> I totally forgot about that till right now. Aggressive. Did you, throwing out the birds through also, the costume. <laughs> did you also see this one got me back to the um real quick to the waiting in line. Um Protective Stadium apologized. They posted a, a statement and apologized for the wait, and then locked their reply. Yes, so saying that no saying one that, could reply. Saying that feedback from their from their customers is is appreciated. <laughs> yes, and then they locked replies. And then locked the replies. Like, yes. okay, no, you. They were they were clowning Protective in the quote tweets, and it was probably the best thing I've ever run. You know, read through. It felt so satisfying to read through those but yeah <laughs> i i was enjoying it but again there was people admitting that they waited in line for pretzels pretzels <laughs> and Miller light it, i mean you're telling on yourselves at that point you just you can't you can't be yeah you could not get that information out of me if you tortured me correct Back. absolutely uh hey one of our preseason questions was about how many players the team would sign mid-season and that count is now up to one uh, I think we all knew this guy was coming. A here we go. <clears throat> Trevor, we got the, the easy name is Trevor. Trevor Svetslut. Svetslut. Well yeah. Bartender, could I order a Svetslut? <laughs> uh, Ariel, you want to you want to give the background on this guy? You you saw him playing in uh, in some preseason. Yeah, he's uh, 23, six foot two. Um, defender. Again, we're going with that tall uh, uh, defensive um, line here. I, I toted it last time. Um, he, he's coming from New England Revolution two uh, from the MLS next MLS next Pro, um, where he made 21 appearances, um, which is fantastic. We've had. I think he's the third Revolution and or Revolution 2 player that we've had. I will have to check my, my count, um, but I'm pretty sure he's the third that we've received from them, which, which um, you know, I'm happy for. Uh, it seems like he's a, a hard worker. He's uh, from uh, born in the Netherlands, but grew up in Australia and played um, in Australian second division. Um, he also 
played for the international appearances in the U19 and U20 age levels. Um, so he's been a pretty good um he has he has the minutes. Um, he did play in the preseason game. He was the only trialist mentioned in the final preseason game. He did have his name on his jersey, so anyone there, uh, you know, saw him, and we were all we we all kind of were like, um, he hasn't been announced yet, but obviously he has a jersey. Um, so this isn't necessarily a huge surprise to to a lot of us, but um. He definitely looked like a solid person, a solid passer in the midfield um, is what Bob says. And um, he's really, he seems like a, a good fit for this team. He didn't travel with the team this, this week. So I am excited to see um, if he gets minutes, when he gets minutes um, and how he plays um, in the, in the regular season here. Ariana, your thoughts are correct. That is the third player from the revolution Two uh, team, which is quite a pipeline. So it's Kizza, Kizza yeah. Trevor, and who? Mike DeShields. Oh, DeShields. Defender. That's yeah. That the defender. He's going to be the guy. If you ask me to, to go down the Hounds roster, he will be the guy. I keep forgetting. I'll give. I'll give you all three keepers. I'll give you the third keeper, but I will forget that guy. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Be, I, I'm be, sorry, uh... mother and papa DeShields. It's just it's it, this is a me problem, not you or your son's problem. Yeah, he was the one. He was one of the ones that got the the disappointed uh, talk in the first preseason game that we saw at home. So disappointed talk and not a plane ticket to Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, happens so. sometimes. Uh, yeah, thoughts on this signing? Another another uh, tall, tall-ish, taller uh, defender, although maybe with a little more attacking prowess. Yeah, that's the only thing I know. I didn't I didn't get the chance to watch him in preseason, so I know nothing. Ariana definitely is uh, going to have any information that I would say. So. All I want to throw in there, because I, I, I really have nothing to add, I, on, the, on the Twitters for the Steel Army, I, was, I had this lengthy post ready to go about uh, this being part of Matt Grubba's influence on the club. Uh, signing an Australian, and then I double-checked, and I went, <laughs> oh, no, he's fucking New Zealand, and I, oh, that would have been bad, so... Uh, Always double check your work before you hit tweet. Um, that's all I got. Because yeah, I would look not the first time looking like an ass on Twitter, but I, I stopped myself that time. <clears throat> Yay! This weekend, Hounds travel to uh, Memphis, the land of uh, of Jerry Lawler and BB King and all that cool shit. Uh, Five p.m. on Saturday. Everyone, set your set your notes. Set the uh, set a reminder. If you're tuning in for a 7 o'clock start, you're going to miss the game. It is a 5 o'clock start. It is not on the CW, so the only way to see this is either uh, A, uh, on ESPN Plus, or B, at, at AutoZone Park in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Memphis losing, probably the surprise scoreline of Week 1, losing to uh, no longer DC2, Loudoun United, uh, losing to him 3-1. to one. Uh, Tommy Williams scoring for for Loudon. There's your your trivia fact of 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 the night. Um, who scored the first goal of the 2023 USL Championship season? The answer is a Tommy Williamson in the eighth minute. <coughs> yeah, um, yeah, three one loss. <sighs> Their starting lineup. A couple guys you were gonna want to remember. You have uh, the goalie was Andrew Romig. He looked 
I mean, shaky as all can be, um, including the three goals. They probably should have had a fourth early on in the game and lost that. Uh, it, was, it was deemed offside, so did not um, didn't count, but the replay made it seem like it was not offside. Uh, soft rebounds, just I watching watching bits of that game, just kind of licking my lips that that does not look like a guy is going to do a lot of shot stopping. Um, uh, Jari esque in his play, uh, week one. Uh, other guys you'd probably recognize: Jelani Peters. Hey, he used to be a hound. Uh, he started uh, in the central defense. Bruno Lapa, who was with Birmingham last year, had a big moment in uh, that playoff game. Uh, uh, Laurent Kissadu, who was their goal scorer, but you're not going to have to worry about him because he also took a red card, so he will not be playing this week. And then uh, Philip Goodrum, we will talk about him in a little bit here. Uh, Yak, first thoughts um, on this Memphis lineup and, and thoughts on this game? Uh, Memphis, I, I'm a little down on Memphis more than most people. Um, they kept they kept their two biggest goal scorers, you mentioned Philip Goodrum and Aaron Malloy. They both had like 18 goals last year. So they can definitely put it behind. They lost their best defender in Pat Segrist. They lost their coach to Charleston. Um, his name eludes me right now. And ben they also Pierman. lost. Yeah, Ben Pierman. And they also lost their top goaltender who had a fine year, Trey Muse. Their backup is this Drew Romig fellow who has very minimal experience professionally. Uh, and, and none as the head guy. So it kind of remains to be seen how lackluster they're going to be back there. Word. Uh, f- yeah, I mean, just... Uh, I mean, they had they had more of the ball. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff... The stats don't look as... as uh, incriminating against them as you would think, but... Uh, went back and but watched in, a lot of that game. It just it it did not look good. Keep in mind that Loudon was up two after about ten minutes, so they could have just been sitting back. Oh yeah, that's definitely part of it. Of, and then they it were kind up. of pops up Memphis's offensive numbers, but it's actually just because Loudon was kind of letting them have it. And then they were then they were down a man and chasing the goal. Yeah, and actually their their strongest their strongest attempt look at goal came after they were down a man. Uh, was in, in terms of XG, their their best attempt came uh, after they were down a man, uh, but then shortly after that is when Loudon popped in their third. So, yeah, not a great showing. I, I honestly, I think a lot of this is Loudon's going to be better than many of us were thinking. They were they were keeping the ball on the carpet, but but moving around pretty nicely, especially coming out of the midfield into the attacking third. Um, around the edges of the box, some real nice movement. Uh, go back and look at that, that first goal, that Tommy Williamson goal, or Tommy Williams goal. Uh, yeah, some some real nice movement. So I think part of this is loud and to be better than, than what we expected, but uh, I don't know how anyone watches that game and, and thinks uh, Memphis is, is quite the level people were expecting. Uh, Ariana, you gave you time to, to rest the voice there a little bit. We're... Uh, what are, you, what are you going to be looking for in this game? Um, it'll be interesting to see their adjustment to missing, um, I think, one of their lead players. Um, their goal scorer, 
Kissadu. Um, Laurent Kissadu. Laurent. And yes, he is. What a name. He is. He's one. He's one of the linchpins in the midfield for sure. Um, I, I, they played at least from what I'm uh, seeing, um, and I don't know if this is entirely true. They played a four-three-three breakdown. Um, so I will. It'll be interesting to see how they adjust missing that middle um, one one member in that middle third. Um, if they adjust a uh, defender up or not. Um, they also didn't really rely a lot on their bench. Um, I'm seeing only two subs, and we had five, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, um, Correct on both accounts. So they are awfully confident in their in their starting lineup. Um, now they won't have or, one of those or, or not confident in their bench. Yes, exactly. Which excites me kind of in, in a way that um, I think that they'll get exhausted in the second half. Um, we have a lot of players that have a really good, um, you know, coverage, field coverage, um, who don't necessarily get exhausted. And we trust our bench. Um, probably a little bit more so than other teams might trust their bench. Um, so I'm I'm keen to see how the how Memphis kind of falls off, and I, I have a feeling that they will fall off in the second half. Um, so if we can kind of get out there and score first, and then maintain that, you know, either you know one one goal up at least one goal up maintain that they'll definitely start to fall off towards the end where we might be able to put you know a final you know nail um for into the t you know into the the final count i mean that's essentially what loudon did they were up uh two in the 11th minute you had yeah your the first goal of the season with the the eight eighth minute goal and then a follow-up 11th minute goal um, Memphis didn't respond until the 37th minute. Um, so it seemed like they're not, they don't have a lot of that forward motion um, when it comes to getting balls towards the net. Um, and then Loudon just, you know, put the nail in the, in the coffin at the, at the 94th minute um, right at the end there. So I definitely think that if we can score first on them and, and score early, I think that we can maintain that, um, and then they'll start to drop off, kind of in that in that back half, and then we can we can be there to to just finish it out. The other fun part with with Memphis, uh, the 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 aforementioned uh, Philip Goodrum uh, had an interesting quote lean into to last week's game. Uh, not about the opponent, not about uh, the season coming up, but just the fact that he was still stuck in Memphis. He was apparently had fielding or had offers uh, from MLS sides and or European sides, uh, but he is still stuck in Memphis. Um, I think, Yak, you said you have the full quote there to, to give to the masses? Yeah, it's in a mini-interview he had with WREG in Memphis, but it was brought to our attention thanks to Mr. Mark Goodman. Quote, I had opportunities to go into Major League Soccer and go into Europe this offseason, and the club held me back from that. So I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't devastated to be back here. End quote. Yeah, that devastated Ooh. line, that's coming back. That's People are going to be using that all year. 
yeah. My first thoughts on this, obviously, it's it's everyone wants to jump on on kind of giving Memphis the business. Uh, I without knowing what the offers were, uh, it's hard to you know to say. Was it was it fair value for the guy? If it wasn't, and I, let's all be honest now, uh, MLS clubs are becoming somewhat famous for for undervaluing uh, players in America that aren't already in the MLS ecosystem. So I could see an MLS side just offering nothing, and then and and then using the basically part of their strategy is is using the player's discontent for not being able to progress as as a reason to undercut the the value on the guy. And then you don't know what uh, what those European teams were and what what the prices were. So without knowing the, the number, it's I don't want to shit on I mean I do want to shit on the Memphis, but not on this yeah, case. Yeah, I, I do want to shit on them, but let us be clear. Okay. Um so without knowing the number, I don't I want to go and um and drag them for this. But I, I find this interesting compared to what we've seen out of Bob the last couple of years, basically just letting guys walk to go play elsewhere if that's what their heart calls out for. And I don't know what the right answer is where the in terms of doing right by the player, doing right by the club. Um, I mean, this is the same Memphis team that that picked up Cal Jennings and then sold him in the same offseason uh, a couple of years ago. So, I mean, they're, they're not opposed to playing that game, obviously. Uh, 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 Yak, where where do you fall on all this, and uh, are, where do you fall on this? And then two, uh, how many times is this devastating quote going to be used against him and or the club this year? Oh, I'm I'm certain I'm going to see some type of tifo or 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 lots of shit talking on Twitter before the game from various sides, not just Pittsburgh, but whoever Memphis is going to play that day. Um, there is some nuance to this, but I I do like. Bob Lilly's approach in general, even if it's frustrating because sometimes it does mean letting good players go. You never want to be the lower division side that has the um, re- reputation of holding their players back from better opportunities. Because then otherwise, no one's looking to sign with you. No one's looking to try out with you. No one's willing to take that risk if they think that they have a higher ceiling than USL Division Two and the club won't let you go for, in this case, uh, Goodrum was signed for two years. This is his second year. Um, that's just that's just a bad look. That's an awful reputation to have. And Memphis isn't that old of a club, doesn't have a lot of history, doesn't have a ton of history of winning. This isn't going to help that if this continues to gain traction. Uh, so he is on the, the year two of his two-year contract. Uh, Ariana, do you... I would expect if the offers were still there for him in the midseason transfer window that they're not going to actually be stubborn enough to just to not get any value out of the guy and let the contract run down, or um, or would they? So, I mean, uh, do you expect him to be there the entire year, or is he going to be shipped off here in the next couple of months? Well, weirdly enough to me, I think him making this statement so publicly and saying it the way he said it may have been detrimental to his prospects in other teams. By that, I mean, he seems like 
he's making himself seem like a problematic child. Um, someone who is whining and complaining and went straight to the media, you know, and, 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 you know, just aired out their dirty laundry. I don't know how much that will play into another team's consideration of him, but it doesn't look good in either for either person. I feel like, you know, he may have thought that, oh, I'll say this and it'll look bad on, you know, Memphis and it'll be good for me. But I don't think he really thought it out entirely in the sense that it doesn't look good for him either. Um, it, it doesn't, it just, it looks like instead of working it out with, you know, the front office or with the team itself, which maybe there wasn't any working out with the team. You know, we don't know a lot of what happened, you know, behind the scenes. Um, just like you were saying, we don't know what was offered for him. Um, but I don't necessarily think that this is a good thing for him either. Um, he just kind of now looks like a, a whiny baby that, you know, some teams might not want to put their hands on. I'd like to know what question from the reporter prompted this. I wonder, I want to know how this came out. Yeah. Having the four context, it, like, yeah, it'd be funny if, if the reporter just threw out one of those softball questions about, you know, are, are you excited for the new season? And then he just took that opportunity just to just to vent, to shit on the Memphis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he still started this week, so it's, it can't be that. Yeah. It's not, you know, well, it's not Rio, Jan- it- uh, 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 Rania. Issues of did, malcontent. Did, facts, but did he start because they don't have confidence in their bench? <laughs> That's part of it too. I mean, he might be their best player anyway. That's not fair, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he wasn't getting offers from MLS because he's not good. So or Europe yeah. or whatever. Yeah, who knows? I just yeah, just you always say you want Aussie from your players, and they give you or from coaches or anything in 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 interviews, and then they give you Aussie, and you're like, ooh. It might be too much honesty. Yeah. <laughs> Not that much. Oh, I love it. Uh, uh, other big news. Uh, hey, the Hounds The hounds have a win already this year. Do you guys know that? Woohoo! Uh, yeah. One, one on the books. Yes. Uh, hounds over Rochester Rhinos in the second round of the Open Cup by way of a forfeit because the Rhinos are DE Day. D may e they D dead. May they rest in piss. Dead. <laughs> for the second fucking time. Dead. Um I mean I could probably rant on this for an hour. Um if anyone when the news broke and saw the Steel Army Twitter account, I uh, my thoughts are pretty well expressed there. Um this is a failure failure on behalf of the Rhinos, failure on MLS Next Pro, failure on US soccer. Um, this should have been sorted out months ago, and the fact that it took this long for them to to not find a buyer, which was the the rumored thing, and and then go tits up this late. Uh, obviously, the MLS Next Pro schedule just came out yesterday, which was it's ten days before the season starts. So that's you know how all good profitable and, and serious uh, professional leagues run their leagues, um, giving a schedule ten days before they start. Uh, for the Open Cup, this cost two amateur teams a, a spot in the competition. They could have played in the first round to to take that Rochester spot, but uh, obviously too late to do that now. So a failure on on many many different organizations 
uh, governance, um, and it's 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 embarrassing all the way around. Rochester is the last non-MLS team to lift uh, the Open Cup, and they are going to be the first professional team in the modern era uh, to forfeit an Open Cup match. So uh, it's 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 a shame. It's embarrassing for a lot of people. With that said, a win is a win is a win is a win. Fuck yeah, we're in the hat for the third round. Uh, bring us a first division team at home, please. Yak, your thoughts? Uh, I think it kind of got them all. I, I, I feel bad for the fans of Rochester. It sounded like, you know, despite the club's efforts to be uh, dumb and the front office not caring, not knowing what they're doing, it did sound like some of the old Rhino crew was doing a decent job getting some semblance of attendance for these guys, even though they were playing a bunch of scrubs from two MLS sides that had no fans ever come to Rochester. Um, uh, yeah, shame, shame on MLS, shame on, on United States soccer, shame especially on the Dworkins, the owners, uh, possibly even Jamie Vardy. It sounded like he bounced already, but, you know, his name's attached to this shit, too. So, yeah. Fuck them all. Yep. Ariana, anything to add on that? Uh, no, I agree. It, it's, it just looks bad on everyone, everyone involved. And then it makes us look, I don't, I don't know, bad in everyone else's eyes. You know, we got past another round by forfeit, which just doesn't feel good for us. But it also doesn't feel good because now we know how other people are going to think us think of us you know and, and how we made it in the in the in the cup how, how far we made it so yeah. it just doesn't it feels icky all around so but fuck them right fuck them god i like when everyone finally comes around with that opinion on things it's good fuck them fuck them starina where you at my man <sighs> yeah so, uh, so the draw for that, the, uh, our game is supposed to be on Wednesday the 5th. The draw for the third round will be April 6th. I believe that is a Thursday, so uh, keep your eyes out for that. No word if they're going to do it like they did last year and do, do a live uh, envelope draw. So that'd be cool if they went, if they kept doing that. But as, we, as we've seen with the TV deal, uh, that, that stuff's all getting, getting cut back a lot anyway, so... Whoop to do, and if and if they're on the road for the third round, there's a fair chance that uh, the game would be uh, would not even be broadcast. So U.S. soccer really fucking it up. <sighs> Swell. Um, another big bit of U.S.L. news that came out in the last couple of days: uh, a piece in the business sports or sports business journal came out, kind of profiling the U.S.L. And some of their chief executives and kind of the business plan of, of the league going into uh, into the season. Uh, yeah, do you have any any numbers or anything you want to pull off that first? Um, or should I do the honors? Why, why don't you go as long as you're ready and I will say my spiel afterwards okay. as I am impressed or unimpressed. So the kind of the, the, the top numbers that came out of this are top factoids, interesting bits, whatever. Uh, in 20, 2019, so the year before the pandemic, apparently one championship club broke even uh, on the year, which is probably one more than I would have ever guessed. And they are also predicting uh, that in the next couple of years, about half the league will be 
uh, break even, if not outright posit uh, positive on the year. Uh, the reason that ESPN, uh, it was a one-year deal in this year for uh, the media deal with ESPN, is they want to tie in USL Championship League One and then the Super League, which comes online next year. So by going with a one-year deal, they can do a brand new new deal with the new league included for next uh, next year. So we'll see where that plays out. Uh, they're expecting 25 new clubs, which again, every time they do one of these interviews, they throw out some some absurd number of, of clubs. But that is including the 10 to 12 that would be joining the Super League uh, right out of the gate. They're expecting most of those Super League clubs to be attached uh, with established USL Championship slash League One clubs. Uh, cue your rumors of will the Hounds have a Super League team or not. Uh, and then... The, the big money thing that came out here, uh, expansion fee for a championship club is $20 million. I can't believe they actually put that number out there. And for League One, it's it's five, which I'm shocked the gap between those two is, is that wide. And Loudon sold at a, a evaluation of $40 million, so whatever part that DC offloaded, uh, you know, they didn't sell for $40 million, but whatever portion of it, that percentage would, would get you to 40 million overall, which is to me stunning. Uh, 40 million again, 20 of that is basically wrapped up in what the current expansion fee is. Um, but they don't own the stadium, they don't own the land. Um, so that's that's just for the the right to own that team. <sighs> Yak, what was your takeaway from this? One, one besides, I, I, holy shit, was that more honest than you're expecting to hear from a league? Yeah, I could I could take this a lot of different ways. First of all, I am surprised that any of us are coming close to breaking even as as a team, uh, especially post pandemic, because it kind of hit uh, like the the lower, smaller professional teams, not the big guys, the hardest. Um, and they're saying that it is likely last season six of these of these teams that are still around broke even. Pretty impressive. The one that happened in twenty nineteen. I imagine it's not us. It's not who I would have thought it was. I already saw on Twitter it wasn't them, but I'm surprised it's been going on for that many years. Who did who um, you think it was? I thought it would be Louisville. Oh, not with that new stadium being built. Oh, that, I mean, they don't own that outright, but still. They've been putting so much infrastructure infrastructure work in. Um, the, the other takeaway, the fact that this expansion fees keep going up, I'm going to beat this to a pulp because that's just kind of what I'm hoping for in the future. But the president, Jake Edwards, is always talking about pro-rail this in USL and pro-rail that and are just just a little bit away from doing it. But if the expansion fees coming up, they're not going to want to do it because new owners are buying into this and don't want to see all the money they put down just to get a spot at the table washed away if the pro-rail starts with one bad year, which is what MLS did. It just in higher numbers and like 10 years ago. So if Jake Edwards is actually being meaningful about that, I don't know how the expansion fees can keep going up. Um, yeah, that's the two biggest things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, the pro-rail thing's interesting because, I mean, I mean there have to be some way to, to make these clubs financially whole if they go down or something like that because the obvious play would be to buy a $5 million expansion fee and then invest 15 million dollars into the club or invest 10 have a 10 million dollar payroll in the club and you're going to go up 
and you, yeah. just, you save yourself five million. So there's got to be some way to to make these um, to make them financially whole if they if they drop. Uh, but that's a very good point. I had not considered that. But again, if there's a fifteen million dollar gap between a championship and League One expansion fee, then I mean, kind of begs the obvious question. Uh, Ariana, when you read this, what what uh, what jumped off the page of you? Uh, are we talking about the financial thing? Sorry, I was distracted. Yes. Um, the it it felt weird. I mean, it it was a lot of our teams just didn't didn't make money. I don't. I, nothing really screamed out. I'm not a financial person, but it really just surprised me at the sheer lack of money-making capabilities. I don't know why. It just, I don't know. I don't have much else to say, but it just, it was a surprising report to read. I didn't understand most of it, but it was just a surprising report in general. <laughs> yeah, again, I, my biggest thought was, uh, I mean, besides some of the, the actual numbers, I was just stunned that they were, they threw out the, they, they gave a price tag on Loudon. I'm stunned that they, they did that. Uh, and it's much higher than I would have guessed. Way again for not owning the stadium. Yeah. I uh, even if even if you told me before I took a guess that the expansion fee is currently twenty million, I would have put that at you know twenty seven, twenty eight million type thing, not not forty. But shows uh shows what little I know. Yeah. Um. Wrap it up with a little Steel Army news. Uh. Ariana, uh, you're taking the reins on 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 the home opening TFO. What uh, what do you got for the people? I am. I'm actually taking the reins on all TFOs. I, that's who I was just talking to when I was distracted. Jake was dropping off all of the materials. Um, so I'm very excited. Um, I now have everything, and we're ready. Our uh, opening TFO painting session um, is this Saturday. So uh, if you're not in the TIFO committee on Discord, um, join it and let me know if you can attend with us. Um, all the information should be there. It'll be at Highmark, so it'll be super fun, super easy to get to. Um, I'm going to figure out the tracing beforehand, and so hopefully when we get there, all we'll have to do is paint it out and then let it dry. Um, it is a fun one this year. I'm not going to say it on... Uh, the, the pod here because I want people to come to the game and to see it in person. Um, but it is, I'm very excited for it. I was hesitant at first cause I was kind of scared. It's, it's a very, um, uh, interesting design and I don't want, I want it to be, I want it to look good. So I'm, I'm excited to see it, but also a little nervous of how it'll turn out. But, um, we are painting TV. If you're not on the discord, um, you can always send an email to the Pittsburgh Steel Army Gmail account, which I think is pghsteelarmy at Gmail. Am I, am I That's, correct yeah, that, on that, that one? Yes, you might. Okay. Um, and then uh, if you just put TIFO or something in the header um, and, and it'll get to me. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see the first one of the season. We will have one for the home opener. Um, and I'm so ready for it. So So look out for it. Beautiful. Everyone, start getting involved with it with TIFO or, or the game day setup or tailgate committee, community outreach. There's there's just uh, there are ways to get involved, and there's there's 
there's never a shortage of, of opportunities uh, for people to get involved. So uh, get your ass off the couch and help out one way or the other. Uh, no watch party this Saturday for the Memphis game. Again, that's a 5 o'clock kickoff, not, not the 7 that you might be used to. Uh, the game is not on the CW, so if you're going out to a bar, uh, make sure they have ESPN Plus as an option. Uh, yeah, outside of that, we are, we're now nine days away from the home opener. Uh, if for some reason you haven't heard by now, uh, we are both honoring the traditions of, uh, of the home opener, even though it's on a Friday and we are starting the tailgating at noon. Uh, there is going to be a new tailgate slash parking lot setup, So I'm curious slash excited to see how that goes. Uh, we've been in conversations, and I, I think it's going to be a better, a better setup than we've had the, the past, you know, 10, 11 years, how many, I guess more years than that now at Highmark, but, so, uh, not much is changing outside of kind of the, the setup, but the setup should be a little more conducive to what we're trying to do, slash, uh, not have people driving in the middle of our tailgate at six o'clock, which is a pain in the ass. Uh, we're also honoring that it is a Friday, even though it is a home opener, it is a Friday and, um, you know, next Friday is Hawaiian shirt day. So if you want to wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, kickoff is at seven, tailgate starts at noon. Uh, just over a week away, man. Yak, how you feeling? Uh, it's been a while and, and how's your Hawaiian shirt game looking? It hasn't sat. It hasn't sat right yet. It ha or hasn't like kicked in yet. That feeling that oh my god, it's this week, which is I mean the game's in nine days from the time that I record this, and eight days away from when it enters your ear holes, um, which is lots of time for me to get a new Hawaiian shirt because I really, really, really need one. Word. Uh, I already saw someone picked up a new Hawaiian shirt, and it is it is spectacular, and that's all I will say about it. Uh, Aaron, I'm sure, pretty sure you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, I do. You, you busting out your old reliable on Hawaiian shirt day, or are you, you going with a new look this year? What's uh, what's your plan? And uh, I'm assuming you'll be there at noon. I will be there at noon. I am a degenerate, so I will start at noon. The drinking might not necessarily start at noon. I did talk last week um, about how my drinking is not up to par yet. Um, for this season, but I did also buy a new Hawaiian shirt for the game. Um, so we'll be able to see uh, that though. I, I'm a little nervous about wearing it. It is a short sleeve Hawaiian shirt um, and it is now in March. So we'll see how, uh, how that goes. Yeah. Now that we're, yeah, the, we're within 10 days, you start getting the weather report. Uh, the, the juxtaposition of wearing a Hawaiian shirt and then like Under Armour or something underneath, is going to be a little weird, but that's probably what, it's probably how this is going to play out. Uh, but I mean, if you if you have not looked at the the, the long range forecast for home opener day, I'd say cl classic uh, home opener weather for the Hounds. Leave it at that. But it's got we have nine days for that to change. So I don't know. I don't have much more to, to throw out there. Uh, probably we've come to the the part of the show where we we talk about what we learned tonight. Uh, Yak, I'll give you the first honors. What uh, what did we learn tonight? Well, it's not going to have anything to do with the show. That's fine. But today I learned that there are four Division One public universities in the NCAA that are on islands, 
and two of them are on like Harrisburg, like 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 land in a river island style situations, which I found fascinating, and I learned that today. Oh, oh! I thought maybe you were going to have us guess which what they are, but I, I will not do that then, unless not you're... in a million fucking years. Okay, then yeah, not worth it then. Ariana, what'd you learn today? Um, I learned just how uh, easy it is to get a red card in uh, USL soccer. Um, I. And and just how embarrassing it is to get it in the first game of the season and then to be uh, suspended for the next three games. Um, Do you go look it up? It's it's. Um, I didn't, um, but I'm I'm gonna assume that it's it's that. But um, I'm excited to watch it. I, that's probably the first thing I'm gonna do once we get off the podcast. Is I'm gonna go watch. It is so unremarkable. What caused this? And for for it to be an unremarkable incident to get a red card yeah if, if anyone hasn't seen it yet go look it up the, go look the highlights up on on youtube of the the memphis loudon game kiss to do just there's a foul or like a scrum you know soft handbag type thing and he gets up and and puts a puts his hand on on an opponent's face and applies a little bit of a force it is so it's by by the you know by the law book it's it's yes it's definitely a red card for violent conduct but man if you're gonna, if you're gonna take a card for that you gotta actually do something serious with it uh, you either you either do nothing or you actually you get your 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 money's worth what he did was like the worst of both worlds it was it was enough to justify a red card and it did absolutely nothing except make you look like an idiot so uh, enjoy those couple of games off my man because yeah dumb. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's a hell of a way to end this uh, end this podcast. But yeah, uh, we'll be back next week. I guess. Well, no, I guess I, I know for sure we'll be back. Uh, hopefully, talking good stuff about the Hounds playing on the baseball field. Because we we're not getting through the entire show without me bringing up the fucking fact they play on a baseball field. We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rockman and Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorak. Email the show at the email address you already heard, pghstillarmy at gmail.com. And put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. Thanks to uh, Yak and Ariana. Uh, I am Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.